0: All right, come on. Who's excited to be here this morning? You excited to be here? Man, it's so good to see you guys. You guys are worshiping so much this morning. You kicked the electric off, so let's go. Is that not awesome? And because of that, you even made the uh, count down, the clock in the back that kind of keeps on track. Non-existence. You know what that means. <laughs> you're gonna be here all day, and you're welcome for that. It's okay. I have a backup. I just told Pastor Adam. I'll just put start, and I'll time myself. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Just to make sure you can get out of here on time and have fun with family, eat somewhere good today. You know, I've been alive now for 46 years. And over the last 46 years, I have learned a lot, obviously, and just from experience in my own life. But here's what I learned. We all have a lot of problems. Anybody here you have problems? Come on. Yeah, we all, right? We all have a, a lot of problems. We have a lot of hurt. We have a lot of pain. Here's a big one that uh, I've, I've discovered, too, is we all have a lot of hidden wounds. And when you really get to know somebody, talk to somebody, you begin to actually hear the wounds that even come from them and out of them, and so we all have hidden wounds where we've been hurt, wronged, um, or whatever it may be in your life, but it's deep down in your heart, and that leads to emotional scars. All of us have some type of emotional pain from our past, where it came from parents, it came from a relationship, came from a boss, came from a coach, maybe a teacher, a friend, a boyfriend, girlfriend. We have this emotional scar that we all carry with us. And now 46 years later, right, you grow up or you're getting older, whatever, how old you may be, and you realize you still run into these problems. Things that happened 20, 30 years ago or things that you thought you've already forgotten about, but they still sometimes haunt you. And what I'll talk about in this series is that we have these broken soundtracks that play over and over and over and over our mind. And a lot of times we'll never get them out of our mind, but how do we turn the volume down where it doesn't alert us or alarm us? Because here's what I've discovered in my own life. My past problems, my emotional scars, my wounds, the things that have happened, just experience, good, bad, and all in between, has led to these broken soundtracks in my mind. And a lot of times we want to blame everybody else, right? We blame people. We talked about that in this series. We want to blame people, blame things around us. If it went from my parents, if it went from my, you know, my ex-spouse. We, we blame, and and I'm not saying what they did was right. I'm saying we 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 take this like victim mentality, and the next thing we know, we live in this broken soundtrack world, and we never find the hope and the peace to get us through it. Now, over the last three weeks, we looked at a few of the broken soundtracks. Now, obviously, I can't address every single one of them. So today what I decided to do is kind of blitz through a few of them that still we struggle with today or people struggle with today or that when I counsel somebody or talk to someone or meet with someone, underlying could be one of these broken soundtracks that play over and over and over. And even though there's a real life situation that happened, pain, scar, emotion, stuff like that, the broken soundtrack usually plays in general about the same, no matter what some of the experiences were in their life. And so today what I'm hoping for is that today you come for a healing. And what I mean by that is that God's healing grace today will heal you. That God's true to the broken soundtrack that plays in our minds, the emotional pain, the scars, the things we have, that one of these today that you will find healing in it and hope from truth From God's word. And so today I want us to look at that healing grace. I love what the scripture says. It says, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And that's what I want for you this morning. Because a lot of the broken soundtracks that come from a broken heart or broken experiences, the thing that happened in our life. So, how does God fix a broken heart in our life? Well, if you're 46 years old, you've had problems and stuff in your life, and I'm using my life as an example, things that happened 20, 30 years ago, how, how do we fix those? If this, here's where the battlefield is, if this is what the enemy want, remember we kicked this year off talking about the mind gym. If this is what the enemy want, this is how we fix the brokenhearted. We have to change the way we think. Romans 12 says this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And that's what we want to happen with the broken soundtracks, right? We want to be transformed How? How do I transform this? How do I turn the volume down in the thoughts in my mind? Is this, we want to renew our mind. Why is this important? The Bible teaches us that as a person thinks, as a man thinks, as a woman thinks in their heart, so they are. That's how they live, which means this. If the broken soundtrack in my mind is, you're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser, guess what happens? The Bible says you're going to live like a loser. Because this is the broken side. If the mind said, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, then I'm going to live like a victim. If the mind says, you're a failure, you're a failure, you're a failure, you're a failure, you're no good, you're damaged goods, no one wants you, no one cares about you, God doesn't love you, look what's happened in your life, look at the pain, look at the things you've done, look what you said, look what you tried, you're no good. If your mind always plays these over and over and over, how do you expect to live? You're gonna live out the thoughts that come in your mind and you're gonna live in this dichotomy, this battle between you know what maybe what God says about you, but the feeling overwhelms it. I know God loves me, but... And the moment you ever use the word but, when it comes to the Bible, listen to me, you are believing a lie, a broken soundtrack. I know God loves me, but. I know God wants to use me, but. I know God's got a purpose, but. I know, but. When you say but, that should be an evidence in your life I have a broken soundtrack or a lie that I am believing because our beliefs will determine our behavior and the way we think determines the way that we act. Here's the problem with that. A lot of our thoughts are wrong. And a lot of our thoughts are full of errors. And it could be things that happen to us when we're growing up and all in between. We took on this mindset, we listened to our own thoughts, our own lives, and from the enemy as well, and now we have broken soundtrack. So how does God fix that? How do we heal from those broken soundtracks? And that's what I'm gonna look through today as we quickly bounce through a few of these. This this big picture, a few of these that may Affect you because again, I can't sit down and and talk about every single broken soundtrack. One, I don't know what they are, two, I don't know how to fix all of them. But here are some big ones like, big uh, if you begin to just think of uh, an onion and you keep peeling, I don't like onions by the way. My daughter does, she loves them, but I can't stand them. But imagine you just peel back an onion over and over and you get to the core. When you get to the core of the broken soundtrack, like we said, well, if it wasn't for them, that would have happened. If it wasn't, and you blame things, but if you keep unpacking it, I, I think. One of these will be at the core of the broken soundtrack. And so here's a one, here's a big one that I deal with in my, have in my own life, but just dealing with people is this, is that God really won't accept me. This is a broken sound that I'm I'm unacceptable because of what I've done in my life, things I've tried, what I've said, this that I'm not good enough, and, and they said I will never be accepted into the family of God, church won't accept me. If people really knew what I've done, what I've tried, what i struggle with, then, then God won't accept me. But here's the truth of that. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I am acceptable. This is the truth of this. And this is so big because most of us spend the entirety of our lives trying to be accepted by other people. Some of you today, you're still trying to get your parents to accept you. You're still trying to earn that. You're trying to get peers around you, you work with, your boss, your coworkers, to accept you. You're trying to get the enemies who can't stand you to accept you, just to see you for who you are. People that you're jealous of or envy of, you're trying to get them to accept you. And you say you're not, but the way you live, you act, the things you put and write and type. I'm telling you, we're trying to be accepted, even total strangers, we want to fit in. We want to be accepted. And most of us don't even realize the drive that's behind the most things that we do in our life to be accepted. I mean, just big things. I know a little bit by the way you dress. Little things. I just want to be accepted. I want to I fit in. I want to look. I want people to acknowledge. I want them to notice or, or to be a part of someone. By the car you drive, the place you live or what you want to live. By the career choice that you choose, the college that you decide to go to, The money that you tried to make, and I know we all pursue, and I'm all about ambition, and I'm all about big dreams. I'm all about going big, go home. Like, I I get that. But the drive behind it, why? So I can feel good about myself because I feel good about myself when others feel good about me. Therefore, I'm gonna live a life a certain way, act a certain way, say dress, do whatever, so I can fit in, so I can be accepted. Most people have no idea they spend most of their life trying to be accepted by the people around them. And the reality is you don't have to wear yourself out, be stressed anymore from all this. You are accepted, and I'm telling you, if you can let this sink in your head, it could change some of the broken soundtracks that are playing in our mind. Romans 15 says this, Christ has accepted you. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've given your heart to Jesus, you've crossed the line of salvation, he's written your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, you are accepted. I love this, First Peter says this, but you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You belong to God. You belong to Him that you may declare the praises of Him who calls you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. If you're trying to live your life to be accepted, here's what I want to show Jesus accepted you. When you gave your life to him and choose him as your Lord and Savior, he brings you into the family of God. Listen, and now we're all, well, I know you're saying, but I'm the black sheep of the family. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the one that that goes, I'm the one that's, you know, done all this stuff. But God says, come on, no, I will put you into the fold, into the sheepfold. You are part of the family of God. You cannot earn it. God freely gives it. And so you don't have to wear yourself out saying, God, would you accept me? I'm gonna come to church, will you accept me? I'm gonna read my Bible, would you accept me? I'm gonna drop a 20 in a bucket, would you accept me? God, I came out on a rainy day, on a holiday weekend, please, God, will you accept me? And we're trying to be accepted by our performance. And we wear ourselves out to the point we get, so I can't live the Christian life because I'll never be good enough. And God's like, listen, listen, you don't have to do anything but put your faith and trust in my son to be accepted. Because I'm going to accept what he did on the cross in your place. And because of what he did, you're accepted into the family. I Man, that should just give us sober relief that God loves us, that Much. Here's the second thing a lot of people struggle with is that I'm worthless. This one's probably one of the biggest lies the enemy throws at people. When you get there and just unpack it, unpack it, unpack it, get to the bottom why you do what you do, it comes to, well, I guess really I'm just worthless. I have no value, I'm worthless. But here's the truth to that you're valuable. Write this down I am valuable. I am valuable. Not only am I acceptable, God accepts me, listen to me, I am valuable, I am worth something. And I'm valuable not because of my goodness or my works, I'm valuable because of his grace. His grace he poured out on me, that I am worth something. How much you think you're worth? I'm not talking about your net worth. Your net worth has nothing to do with your self-worth. They do not go hand in hand, but a lot of people they do, right? You only feel good when you have blank. You think your net worth determines your self-worth. That and is not true. That is not true. There's two things that determine worth. If you, I mean, there's, this is not like, like the gospel, but there's two things in my life I feel like determines the worth. One, who owns it? Who owns it? Let me give you an example. If I have a 1972 Chevelle sitting here or whatever it is, an old car, and you look at it, that's a shout-out to Men's Day. You don't want to miss that coming up in June because we're going to have a cornhole championship. It's going to be amazing. Anyway, just a little commercial. right. And so you've got this old, nice, you know, car, like, hey, I want to, I want to sell this car. Like, ah, it's pretty good. And. You own it, yeah, I own it. Who are you, I'm pastor of a church. Okay, well, that don't mean nothing, right? Okay, okay, here we go. You know, it's nice. And you take the exact same car and you come over here and now you're like, whose car is this? Oh, this is the one and only Elvis Presley car. Oh, Elvis drove this himself, like this is his. Like he still has a soundtrack in, they listen to, he, still has a, he still has a dice hanging in the mirror. I just dated myself for some of you 80 fans. You're right, and so, no, no, this is Elvis, but they're the same exact car. Come on, I mean, come on, what do you mean? The same details, same mileage, same thing? They even stayed in the same garage. oh, no, no, but this was worth more because who owns it? Who owns it? Well, who owns you? Are you valuable? Who owns you? I mean, think about this. Who do you belong to? First John 4, 4 says, you belong to God. The creator of the universe who spoke all this into existence, you belong to him. So how valuable are you? How valuable? What is your worth? How valuable? Which leads to the second thing. What is someone willing to pay for it? Right? You could price it. You always ask, well, is that for sale? Well, everything's for sale, right? Everything's for sale. How much is it worth? Well, why are you willing to pay for it? Some of you are not really good at negotiating, right? You know what I'm talking about it, but what are you willing to pay for it? Because who owns it and what someone is willing to pay for it will determine the value. It could be worth $100,000, nice car, $100,000, but man, really, I, I'll give you twelve dollars today for it right now on the spot. That's what I'm willing to pay for. I ain't going to let it go. That, that's the highest bidder. So, what are you willing to pay for will determine the value of it. Who owns it? What are you willing to pay for? What did God pay for you? What price did he pay for you? I love look at 1 Corinthians, it says you were bought at a price. He's talking about you, look at it. You were bought at a price. Your salvation was purchased <laughs> for a price. And what was that price? It was the blood of Jesus. That God gave his only son, the highest price. And now watch this, you belong to God Because he bought you with the blood of his son. How valuable are you? How every day of your life should you get up knowing what your worth is? No matter what the world says, no matter what people say about you, no matter what they, you're valuable. You're valuable in his sight. Another big one that people struggle with a lot of time, and this this one is, is a big one, is that really at the core is that God doesn't love me. Now I know he loves the little children of the world, all that stuff, I know that God loves, but not me. You don't understand, I'm, I'm not real loving. I've done some things or whatever, I just don't feel, or I don't feel that he loves me. But here's the reality to that broken soundtrack is this, that I am lovable. That God, watch this, he not only loves me, he likes me. That I am lovable because of what his son did. And man, doesn't it sure, you know, it doesn't feel like God loves you a lot of times when you have the broken heart or the broken soundtrack or you've been rejected by someone. When someone rejects you, whether it's a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a husband, a wife, a parent, whatever it may be, you don't feel very lovable. When nobody loves me, I'm not worth anything, I'm not lovable, and the reality is this, you're wrong. And all of us have the can't help it, right? I don't know if you heard that, but we call it the can't help it. You got the can't help it. Just can't help it. I'm just, just, just having a pity party for myself. I just got the can't help it today, right? I'm, no one cares about. It. No one appreciates what I do around here. Anybody ever throw a pity party like that? Come on, come on. No one recognizes what I do around here. Is anybody going to just appreciate what I do? Does anybody care for what I do? Like if you like, every now and then you have one of those pity parties, right? The can't help it. But a lot of times we turn that to God's. Like God, I just He don't care about me. He don't love me. If He did, then we. See that, see what I said? If God loved me, as if we base it on conditions, and this is what we do. If God truly loved me, fill in the blank. When the reality is that I am lovable. I love this, Isaiah says this. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will never, ever, ever be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who is compassion, who has this compassion on you. You see, the difference between God's love and human love, well, there's a lot of difference between God's love and human love. But we think about how humans love each other, therefore, that's how God loves us. See, human love is inconsistent. God love is consistent. God love never ends, God love never changes. God's not like, I like you today, get lost tomorrow. That's human love, it's consistent, it's inconsistent. But God consistently loves us no matter what happens, he consistently loves us. And the second thing is different is God's love is unconditional. Most of us don't know condi- unconditional love because we've been wired in a society, we've been wired with our upbringing with conditional love. If you love me, then blank, if it's a condition. If you really love me, blank. And even as parenting or in a marriage relationship and you do it as a parenting fear tactic or a guilt trip tactic, we begin to indoctrinate like, if you really love me, take the garbage out. If you really love me, pick up your room. If you really cared about your parents, if you really truly love me, then blank, as if my love is based on a condition that you perform. And we don't do that to try to build con, you know, conditional love in them. But even the words we speak, condition with our upbringing, that we're all based on condition. If you love me, then you will. And then if you don't, then therefore you don't love me. And so we, God's love is not that way. God's love is unconditional. God says, even if you turn your back on me, I'll never turn my back on you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's love is unconditional. It's not based on my performance. It's not based on me trying to measure up. He loves me unconditionally. No matter what, no periods, nothing. That is his grace that he gives me. You don't ever have to worry tomorrow if I wake up if God's gonna love me because of what I've done today. Is God gonna love me next week? Is God gonna love me because I didn't pray? Is God gonna love me because I didn't do the right thing? Is God gonna love me because God loves us? His loves are not based on condition, based on our performance. It's unconditional. He says, you're acceptable. You are valuable. You are lovable even when you don't feel lovable. Here's another one, a big one that people have broken soundtracks and play Is They I really don't, don't know if God can forgive me. And I know what we say if you've been in church before, I know God forgives and when you confess your sins, God forgives and stuff, but most of it usually holds on to something. I know God can forgive, but I don't know about that one thing. That's a really big mess up. And the reason why you think God can't forgive you is because you won't forgive yourself. And therefore you hold yourself to that and therefore you think, well, God can't forgive me because, and you fill in the blank, as if I'm not, forgivable, but here's the truth of that, and here's the truth, is that I am forgivable. That I am forgivable. That no matter what's happened in my life, whatever I've said, whatever I've tried, God will forgive. Now, we talked about this before. There are consequences to your sin. You can be completely forgiven of your sin and still live out the consequences for the rest of your life. We're not talking about consequences. There are consequences. I could be forgiven, but still there's consequences, I could be restored, but still walk out consequences. So I'm not talking about just because God loves you, he forgives you, there's no consequences to your sin. There's always consequences to your sin. The ultimate consequence to the sin is those who reject Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, will spend eternity in a place called hell. That's the ultimate consequence to your sin, that you reject Jesus, which is the only sin that God (laughs) will not forgive. When we come face to face with the good news and know that I'm acceptable, that I'm lovable, that he wants to move in my life, he loves me unconditionally, then watch this. How does that lead me to live for him? And we talked a little bit about this last week. I love what Isaiah 43 says. Isaiah says this. I, even I, am who blots out your transgressions, this is God, for my own sake, and remember your sins no more. It's not that God can't, it's that God chooses not to. God doesn't carry grudges like we do. God doesn't do that. Is that not amazing? See, when you've received his grace in Christ Jesus, he made you the number one. He He loves you so much that he will not hold your sins against you. There is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. God doesn't rehearse your sins like we rehearse our sins. Watch this, God has released them. And you're saying, but that's just not fair. I should be punished for what I, that's just not fair. That's called grace. And that's how much he loves you. And remember last week we talked about real quickly, how does God forgive us when we feel like we're unforgivable? We talked about real quick last week, God forgives us instantly, completely, constantly, and generously. If you missed it, you need to go back and watch it. Because that's what we talked about last week and lastly lastly and this is the one that would hang people up and they don't really pay attention to this one that big as a broken soundtrack in their mind but even if they get to the point that said, okay, you know, you won't believe this, but God radically changed my life, and I have a big turnaround, and, and I've been forgiven, and now God loves me, and I'm attending church now, and people's like, you go to church now? Like, I go to church now. Like, I even got a Bible. You read the Bible? Like, I mean, you've wowed the people. Like, you mean your life has been tra- changed and transformed, and, and you believe it yourself? Like, oh, you know what? I I now know Jesus. My The scales I fell off my eyes, I can now see, and I've been accepted, and He loves me. And he's got a purpose for me. And then this is a big one, though. This one that sets in that you don't even know subtly. This very subtle sets in your heart. You still have a but. And this is the but. I know I've been forgiven. And I know God loves me. And I know that I'm saved. But I don't think God can use me, I don't have anything to offer. I'm not really good at anything. I mean, there's no place for me to serve in the family of God. I mean, how can God use the messed up, jacked up person like me? In fact, I would argue this. The more jacked up you are, the more God wants to use you. The more pain and scars that you have, that you've gone through, God doesn't waste pain, hurt, and scars. God wants to use that pain, hurt, and scars in other people's lives. Once they've healed over, and your wounds have moved to a scar God wants to use those scars in people's lives but you say I'm not able to be used by God and here's the reality to this this is the last one is that I am capable to be used by God like is it so subtle like the, the the broken side I'm not able to be used by God God can't use me And the reality is I am capable to be used by God like God can use me and this is why this is why some of you'll come to church your whole life but then you won't serve You'll come to church and you're just like, I'm, I'm I'm in the Bible, I'm gonna read my Bible, but man, I mean, I really don't have no talents, I don't have no gifts. I mean, there's nothing I can offer to the body of Christ. God can't use me. In fact, you don't know what I've done, what I've said about, I mean, I'm not good enough really to be used. I mean, I wanna know God, I wanna experience God. I don't read about my Bible, I write in my Bible, I wanna, I wanna do things, but but you come and you sit every Sunday or out in the community and you're like, man, I i don't think god really can use me in the reality he can and he wants to use you over and over and i love this i love this in philippians 4 you know this verse come on i can do everything through jesus i could do everything through christ who gives me the strength when you think you're not capable watch this you are not because of your goodness it's because of what jesus can do through you that he is your power And I pray that He would fill your mind with this truth, that He wants to use you. Paul writes in Romans 15 this, May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in Him. Watch this. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives within every one of us who are Christians. It's the same power He can use, watch this, to change the people around us through you. That God wants to use you. No, no, He just loves you and has forgiven you. He wants to use you. And here and here, here in, in closing is this is what I've realized too over the last 46 years of my life is to a large degree the way that we see ourselves, the way that you see yourself, and the way that you feel about yourself, normally, normally, is determined by the most important person in your life. I want you to think about that. Who's the most important person in your life? And a lot of times how you think about yourself and see yourself is how do you think they see you? What do they think about you? And therefore, I try to live up to their standards or what they think, And a lot of our broken soundtracks have come while I'm trying to be accepted, trying to fit in, trying to be loved by someone, trying to, you know, experience true forgiveness. What if we really, and we say this, like we're in church, so you, you always the answer is Jesus, right, when you're in church, Jesus. So I hate you throw that. But what if you really made Jesus the most important, important person in your life? And you stood your, and looked in the mirror and what you saw in the mirror was through the lens of what Jesus and how Jesus sees you. And the most important person in your life says, you are lovable, you're forgivable, you're capable, you're valuable, you are worth something. And watch this, you're acceptable. I accept you for who you are. You don't have to live for everybody else. Imagine if the most important person in your life was jesus how would that change your life here's what i believe a lot of the broken soundtracks that play over and over and over in our heads the volume will be turned down not that the pain and the scar won't go away but the volume will be turned down and it will have no more power over me i'm pushing mute and though i see it babbling on i'm not gonna listen to it because i'm gonna fill my mind with truth and what jesus Says about me and what Jesus thinks about me. So here's the here's the here's the, here's it is here you're going to believe what someone else says about you, the broken soundtracks that play in your mind, or what God thinks about you. And here's the crazy thing you ready for this? It's your choice. I'm gonna ask if you would, just to bow your head just for a moment. We finish up this series on broken soundtracks it don't have to end here it doesn't have to stop here maybe you left this series with a few, a few tools realizing hey you know what that's a broken soundtrack i'm listening to i'm gonna learn how to turn the volume down on that i don't need to put that on repeat no more that your damn is good you're no good you're not valuable you're not worth anything no one loves you no one cares about you, you're not accepted like no 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 i'm gonna learn to start trusting what Jesus says about me. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, little by little, it will begin to radically change your life. And hopefully today, maybe the big soundtrack is like, no, God really can't save me. Oh yes, he can. And he brought you here today just to do that. And at all of our locations, listen to me, and watch it online, today you can give your life to Jesus. Whether you're sitting here at Morehead or Ashland or online, listen, you can give your life to Jesus. The Bible says this, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Come on, what an unbelievable day to receive God's grace and not listen to that broken soundtrack anymore. He loves you. He forgives you. He wants a relationship with you. Would you receive him today? Right where you are, you could cry out to Him, and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know how, I'm going to repent of all of my sin and put all my faith and trust in you. And if that's you, just in a moment, your host or campus pastor, they're going to come out and they're going to share with you your next step. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you so much for this series. God, what it's even just done in my own life. God, how you remind me of the truth of the broken soundtracks in my own head. And God, I pray that we will look back in our lives and this could be the time, Lord, that change begin to take place. That i begin to believe I am who you say that I am and trust what you say is true. And God, what you did through this series, I hope and pray you'll do through the next series as we jump into the man series, Lord. That we will begin to just renew our mind, transform our mind by focusing on who you are and in your truth. Can't wait to see what you're gonna do and thank you for what you've already done. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.